Welcome, welcome, welcome to day three of Doug's Daily Double. I appreciate all of you who have listened to the first two episodes. I'm, as I've been trying this little experiment here, just giving you a couple quick thoughts every day, five to ten minutes per topic, two topics per day, trying to come at you every day. I'm sure it won't be 100%, but you know we'll hit at least five, six days a week, and we'll see how this goes. So I've gotten a lot of feedback from all of you. Appreciate the kind words. Uh, definitely welcome any of those. Welcome any constructive feedback as well. You can find me at, at DouglasTS on Twitter. Please uh, hit me up there. Hit me up in the DMs. Let me know what you think. If you have ideas for topics you'd like me to talk about, throw those in there as well. Today I'm going to talk about two things, um, both Pac-12 related. One, Deion Sanders, Colorado, recruiting, program building, all the stuff going on there. And the second item will be uh, UCLA, what Chip's doing in the transfer portal down there and what their prospects are for this season in the Pac-12, as well as moving into the Big Ten the following year. So let's get started with uh, with Colorado. You know, obviously Deion Sanders taking the head job there, big news uh, throughout the last couple months, and a lot of excitement and interest around him taking that job, not just within the Pac-12 footprint, but also nationally. There's a lot of uh, a lot of people talking about it, and having people talking about Colorado is huge for Colorado. They've been a program that has been really down, you know, since before they even came to the Pac-12, but certainly in their time in the Pac-12, I think they've had really one or two seasons of note. They made the, the conference title game in 2016, losing to Washington, and then, of course, they... They were kind of had a pretty good year during the COVID year, which doesn't really count much for anything among all the Pac-12 schools. Um, so that was kind of a one-off as well. And other than that, they've been really a bottom feeder in this conference since they've got here. Not a lot to talk about. Their fan base, to their credit, is really strong. They fill up the stadium. They show up. Um, they're engaged, which is a lot to be said for a program that is really you know, on a long streak of of not very watchable football. So. They go out and hire Deion Sanders, obviously from Jackson State, big splashy hire, um, paying him a lot of money. My thoughts on Dion, um, I mean, Dion's about Dion. It, it seems pretty evident he's a self-promoter. I don't expect him to be at Colorado for long. I think he took this job because he wants to leverage it into a, a more premium Power 5 job, and he wants to prove himself at the Power 5 level. So he can get himself one of those jobs, probably back home in Florida or somewhere else in the South where, you know, closer to his home, his upbringing, his roots, as well as where, you know, the players and the talent are that he wants to go recruit, right? So, uh, you know, I expect Dion to be at, at Colorado from two, maybe three seasons on the outside. I'd set the over-under at two and a half, and, and maybe I'd take the under. But, um, you know, obviously Colorado is a good place for him to springboard himself into the national spotlight and and kind of prove to some of those ad's out there in the east that yeah i can i can take this kind of job and and be successful i think there's a it's interesting hearing a lot of people prognosticators talk about oh colorado's gonna make a bowl game this year they went seven games and i'm i'm like whoa 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 slow slow down the train here a little bit i mean yeah he's getting a couple of good transfers to come over with him from jackson state as well as other schools obviously most most notable is travis hunter um the number one recruit from a year ago who played for him at jackson state this year but you know that roster needs a ton of overhaul and particularly at the 
you know, along the lines. And that's not a uh, a position that Colorado went out and recruited very strongly. Um, and nor did they land in the portal very strongly. So I think that that program's got a long way to go. I certainly think they're going to be a lot better than last year, where they won one game against Cal, uh, a game they probably shouldn't have won. But they also have a pretty tough schedule. So I don't I don't anticipate them winning a bowl game. I think if they can win four games, they got to look they got to feel really good about that. Maybe they can get to five even. I don't participate them. I don't anticipate them getting to get into bowl eligible, however. But the other good the other thing about this is it gives them a chance to get national eyeballs on them, right? And I think the Pac-12 was really smart in the way that they scheduled Colorado against premium conference opponents early in the conference season when there'll be a lot of interest in checking him out, checking out his team, seeing what they're doing, seeing if they're competing. And so, you know, the first two conference games for Colorado are at Oregon and hosting USC. And I have both of those games pegged as probably the number one network TV choice of Pac-12 games in each of their weeks. So I, I think or, uh, Colorado at Oregon is, is certainly the premium game that week. Maybe you'd make an argument for UCLA-Utah. But, you know, UCLA-Utah are both teams that don't draw particularly well on TV. Oregon obviously does. And I think there's going to be a lot of interest in Colorado as well. So that game should get a prime spot. And then obviously USC at Colorado the following week, you know, Dion's opening up his home, his home conference slate against the Trojans. And and that game will definitely be the number one choice for the PAC 12 TV network partners that week. There'll be a lot of eyeballs there. Um, After that, as the season, you know, probably starts to, to fall off and, and other things around college football get interest um, you know, there probably won't be as much national interest in seeing what Dion's up to as you get past the novelty of the first few weeks. I think the Pac-12 was really smart in, in in putting their two premium TV brands up front in that schedule and getting those eyeballs as much as they can early. Uh, Colorado opens a season at TCU, which is not going to be easy, obviously. Then they host Nebraska in week two in Dion's first home game. Those are two games, again, that will get a lot of national eyeballs. So if you look at the first four or five weeks of the season, you know, they should get a lot of, Deion should get a lot of eyeballs, which is what he wants. Uh, and Colorado will get a lot of eyeballs, which is what the Pac-12 wants. And and then we'll see how it goes after that. You know, flipping over on the recruiting side, I mean, obviously, you know, <laughs> they're, they're, they recruited, he recruited a pretty good class considering he didn't have a lot of time to work with coming in, you know, when he did later in the year, having just a month. Obviously, there's still a bit left in the February signing period. The big news, of course, is flipping Cromani McLean from Miami, five-star, you know, top-rated cornerback in the class of 2023, flipping him yesterday from Miami to Colorado. So he's going to follow uh, Dion over there, as well as, um, you know, getting the other corner transfer, Travis Hunter, from who who he signed last year as the number one recruit in the country, also a defensive back, also played wide receiver next year. So we'll see where he plays for Colorado this coming season. But, you know, big get for Dion. You're just comparing recruiting-wise, you know, in the 2022 class, Colorado finished 58th in the country. They didn't recruit a single blue-chip prospect that class and and really just had, you know, uh, you know, pretty typical recruiting class for them. You know, a bunch of kind of low to mid three stars, um, not a lot of juice in their class. But coming in this year, once Dion got in there, they've got um, four... They've got four blue chips, including, as I mentioned, the five-star Cormani McLean. They've got uh, four-star running back, four uh, Dylan Edwards, four-star 
uh, wide receiver Omarion Miller, four-star wide receiver Adam Hopkins. So, I mean, clearly he stepped up the recruiting game. They did land a bunch of other kind of mid mid to high three stars as well to go along with that. Most of that class was probably intact before he even got there. Additionally, 23 transfer commits already for Dion. So he's bringing guys not only from Jackson State, but he's got corner coming in from Ole Miss. He's got an edge coming in from Arkansas. He's got a guy running back from Kentucky. Uh, Miles Slusher, you know, a safety out of uh, Arkansas coming over. He's got a Florida uh, lineman coming over. So he's he's really raiding a lot of other Power 5 programs to get some some transfers in as well. So that his roster could be significantly improved this year compared to last. Um, but he's still got a long way to go, I think. But it, it's a good start for Dion. Obviously, it's good for the conference. It's good for Colorado. And I think, you know, Dion's going to do what he's going to do. And we'll see where they go after after he moves on in a couple of years or not. But it's really a, a win-win for Colorado. I mean, they they had no juice. They had nothing. Um, it's really, even though they probably know he's not going to be there for the long haul, there's no there's no downside to them. Because um, they what they've been doing hasn't been working. And if nothing else, this is going to make them some money, buy them some some notoriety, improve their talent level in their program. And, and even if he does move on, they'll be positioned in a better place uh, going forward. So Colorado finished uh, fifth in the Pac-12 in the tr- um, high school recruiting rankings. And if you throw in transfers, they end up in the number three spot behind USC and Oregon. So they, they made a lot of 42 different <laughs> new players coming to Colorado. So much like Oregon, they're turning over half their roster this year. And uh, we'll see what Dion can do with it on the coaching front. Let's swing over to our second topic now. That would be Chip Kelly and UCLA. Uh, You know, as we've been watching from afar over the last five or six years that he's been down there, uh, recruiting is not something that Chip Kelly has seemed very interested in. And this has certainly hurt him at times, even back at Oregon. But certainly, since he's been at UCLA, he has not uh, signed particularly strong classes in the Pac-12 or in the country either while at UCLA. And I would say that continues to be the case even the last couple of years. Um, he, this year, has signed just 13, 15 commits in the 2023 class, um, only four of those being blue chips. So sixth in the conference behind Oregon, USC, Utah, Washington, and the aforementioned Colorado, just 15 commits. But what we've seen over the last couple of cycles from Chip, and, and obviously let's not mention the three blue chips, obviously, Dante Moore, the late flip five-star quarterback, top five player in the country, huge get for Chip, and then a couple of four-star wide receivers out of California as well. So, uh, you know, getting some key key talent at key positions there to, to work his offense. But I think, you know, what we've seen from Chip over the last couple of years that has been so so helpful to him and his program is he is really taking advantage of the the transfer portal right and this is kind of built for chip kelly um and and the fact that you have the transfer portal and no um you know not having to sit out of your instant eligibility he's really making hay there and again he's got 11 transfers coming in this year getting a lot of blue chip kids in from other programs you know bringing over the wide receiver kyle ford from USC, another wide receiver, uh, J. Michael Sturdivant out of Cal, who's really their best receiver by far last year. 
uh, bringing over people at all positions, you know, from other schools. Maliki Matavao coming over from Oregon, obviously, is a big one. Um, I know they were in it for Byron Cardwell, who ended up going to Cal, but, you know, that he was right there as well. Colin Schley, the quarterback, coming over. Um, coming over as well you know potentially we'll we'll give them another option if dante moore is not ready to go bringing over an interior lineman from purdue so so chip's making hay in the transfer portal and i think that he's going to continue to stock his talent it's clear that that's going to be his strategy going forward um carson Steele, the running back is another one out of louisville uh you know pretty pretty good player so um it's clear that's going to be a strategy going forward is to hit the portal, um, you know, get what he can out of the high school recruiting ranks, but hit the portal for proven players. And honestly, if you can be a front runner for proven players out of the portal, that's not the worst strategy in the world to invest your resources in guys you know who can play at the college level um, rather than guys, you know, who are projects, you know, coming out of high school, especially if that's not an area that's your strength. Um, recruiting-wise. So the strategy makes sense for Chip and UCLA, and I think combined with their, um, you know, once again, pretty weak schedule this year, I, I mean, they could make another run this year. They they obviously were, were in the running late last year for the to making it to the Pac-12 title game, kind of fell off at the end of the season. That loss to Arizona, uh, you know, really crippled them. But uh, beyond that, they were right in the running last year. They have another easy schedule. They got uh, Coastal Carolina, San Diego State in the non-con. Um, they open up at Utah in week four, which that'll be a big one to watch. And then they've got, you know, Washington State, Oregon State, Stanford, Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State. Uh, then obviously the big one at USC, um, the last, second to last week of the season. And then, of course, finishing up hosting Cal. So they don't play Oregon. They don't play Washington which are a couple of uh, good misses for them uh, from a schedule strength perspective. So if they can if they can kind of re-gear their offense around Steele and either Dante Moore or or the other quarterback then I think they can they can uh, make another run at making the Pac-12 title game. It'll be interesting to see how not only his strategy evolves moving over to the Big 10 if it does from from a recruiting standpoint but also whether this the same kind of the same kind of strategy will work in the Big Ten. I mean, obviously, they're going to be going up against um, some stiffer competition at the top end of that conference. Um, you know, where they slot into the middle of the Big Ten pecking order remains to be seen. I mean, I would say on an annual basis, I'd probably peg UCLA anywhere between, you know, fourth and seventh or eighth in the conference. So kind of right in the middle, you know, high middle of the pack. You know, maybe they could have a great year and, and make it to third occasionally is that a place they can make uh, a college football a 12 team college football playoff from maybe maybe uh you know if they have one of those kind of outlier years where they they get to 10 wins and finish third in the conference then yeah i think they couldn't they would make a playoff in that scenario but i don't know that that's going to be the norm for them there's a lot of competition obviously they're going to play usc every year um, and then they're going to, you know, play at least one of, of michigan and, and ohio state probably every year and and maybe some years both so It'll be interesting to see how that plays out over the course of the next few seasons. But, you know, you got to like what Chip's doing. He's He he knows what he's good at. He knows what he isn't good at. And he's doing a good job of, of building his roster year by year. You saw it this past year. We're seeing it again this year through the transfer portal. Um, and that's a good strategy for him because he can get those guys. And, and he's proven that once again. So 
That's all I've got for today. Thanks again for listening. I appreciate all of you and take care.